there was, I don't know, six or seven people that had come over and they were kind of in our living room and I went around to go to the bathroom and uh, which was kind of off the kitchen. And I went in there and I, again, was peeing. Apparently, it's only when I'm peeing bad things happen. But quite literally, um, one of my buddies tried to scare me, grabs my arm, like, you know, and you're sitting there like, ah, it's funny. And I turn around and the door's still closed. And I look down and I can see the imprint of a hand on my arm something grabbed me that you couldn't see something was there and had the ability to have some kind of physical contact which is needless to say a door slamming is one thing but something that you can't see grabs you needless to say we moved out to say we moved out Door slamming's one. Door slamming's one. And something grabbed me. Something grabbed me. Whether you're pre-trib or pre-wrath, it's important to dispose of the pretense that expensive insurance is something that you're stuck with. Most people don't shop around for better insurance rates until years after they get their policies. And with the price of a loaf of bread slowly approaching a day's wages, it's important to save where you can. That's why the Better Insurance Agency is here to help with options for home, auto, life, and small business insurance. Visit us online at www.thebetterquote.com. Or call us at 540-200-8646 today to see about switching to a better insurance company. Currently available only in Virginia and Tennessee. Please note that if you're listening to this commercial after the rapture has taken place, the better insurance agency is probably closed. My name is Elliot Marzulli, and you're listening to The Dig. We should read our Bible as men digging for buried treasure. The Bible is the world's most popular enigma. Its secrets lost to cultures beneath the sands of time. Or is it? It is the glory of God to conceal things, but the glory of kings is to search things out. God wants you to seek, to read his word, to to look for that knowledge. He wants you to do that. And the people at Nicaea, they like chopped out 80 books of the Bible. We need to bring those back. More bad guys in this thing than a Bruce Willis. Oh, yeah. Let's back it up here. I I love the intro to your show because it's exactly right. There's the nuggets of gold in his word. 
you guys always say in the show, you, you gotta dig it. Dig it. Show us your nuggets. God, our creator, lies outside of time and space and matter. I feel like God would be like, hello, McFly. You ain't got it so far, then. There are secret societies think that they are the descendants of the giant. I mean, isn't isn't this exciting? I mean, you read it, it's like, wow. The Nephilology Roundtable. But these angels were taken to help immediately. Do not pass gold, do not collect $200. You're out of the game. Dirty hands means clean theology. Can you dig it? What's going on, all my local guys and gals and long-distance pals? We're back. Partially. Partially. This daylight savings is kicking Ben's butt. Yeah, I'm pretty tired. I'm going to have to light his beard on fire. Please don't do that. <laughs> but you won't do much about it. <laughs> we just got our Lego set from Timothy, so we, we got to keep that full beard intact. I know it. I know it. I was going to cut my hair. I think I might just have to grow it back out. <laughs> ben can't set it down. Probably either. not. Probably not. I mean, it's me, man. He's sexy. Flannel and all. I mean, flannel shirt, beard. I mean, what what else do you need in the man? That's it right there. Uh, babe the blue ox is way. <laughs> well, that's coming. He said it was in the mail. Yeah, so, so, Tim, if you're listening to this, thank you. We we love yeah, our Legos. Awesome. That's awesome. And if you've not seen it, you can go to our uh, Facebook community page or actually our Facebook page. There's uh, pictures of them on there. If you guys want to be immortalized in Lego, Timothy Braithwaite is your man. That's pretty cool. I, I'm pretty impressed. It makes me look good. <laughs> it really ups my looks. Makes you look a lot younger. Yeah, that's true. Just with, as bald, though. Well, with the hat on, well, you can the hat, tell. Yeah. He covered your bald head. I mean, I mean, I still have hair sticking out mm. under my hat. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> well, today's episode was actually a recommendation from somebody on our Facebook community, and we meant to do it season one, but we actually uh, got it got lost in the shuffle somehow, so it got brought back up. So we're going to dive into ghosts and demons. And what the scripture has to say about it. Yeah, it's uh this is gonna be this is interesting because every time you know, I and I try not to go into something with a preconceived notion because every time I do I go and read things and I find I find something different than than I thought. <laughs> and it changes my viewpoint a little bit, which I think is good because it's showing that you're always learning. You're always open to those things, and you got to let God's word talk to you. And um, and I, it's it's just a it's a scary subject because you know we as people in the church, you know, we think about you know who are we up against, right? We we always talk about that Ephesians six twelve, right? Uh, because our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers against the authorities, against the world of rulers of this darkness, and against spiritual forces of wickedness in heavenly places. Um, you know, the fight is something we can't win on our own. 
You know, it's a spiritual battle that we're fighting and we can't, we, you know, and actually if you follow this verse a little further, it says, then you have to put on the whole spiritual armor of God. And that's something that we have to do. And that's, that's, you know, where we find our, our, our biblical foundation, you know, in the gospel and, and reach out from there. But this is a, this is a subject that kind of hits home for me because I think most people out there can say they've had something weird or something, something kind of supernatural happen to them. They've had an experience where you, you either tried to rationalize it or, you know, and and some people do that. Some people will try to just deny it altogether or deny it altogether, or you just could not explain it. Right. And in, in my case, well, you go ahead. Well, I was going to say, uh, we've talked about this before on some of the other episodes, but we got new listeners all the time. Go right. ahead. So, so, uh, when I was in Iraq, um, I think the insidious, I don't know if it just come out, but I had it on digits on a hard drive. Somebody had it. So I was like, you know, whatever. Well, I'll watch this tonight. It's something different. I've never been into the scary movies kind of stuff, but so I turn it on and I make it to the scene where the insidious creature, whatever the demon, right? He's kind of like up in the the crest of the roof, you know, because it's it's an open roof there in the room, whatever. And it's kind of like he's like sitting up there somehow, and man. That room that I was in, it just got so small, and I it just weirded me out. So I ended up turning it off. I've never watched another horror movie since then, and it was just like it was so, so. I don't even know, like. I still can remember it to today, you know, and you know it's like, well, that's okay. I got scared. It was it was a little different than, you know, I got spooked. You know, I ended. Up, I mean, I couldn't go to sleep. I had to turn on a funny movie, and I turned on Hot Rod, which is just stupid. It's a stupid, hilarious movie, just to kind of lighten the mood, just just because I felt like I was almost choking. I, you know. Not really choking, but the suppression. Yeah, it was it was really weird. Well, that was a demonic experience. Did you ever have a uh, like a ghost experience in your life? No, I've never. Not that I could say. And you know, this we we were probably. I I know. Well, I was at Camp Taji when this happened. So, for any of you military guys listening and you know where Camp Taji is, it's not far from where they think the Tower of Babel was. So just even being in that area, it, it was it was weird. Which I've never had any, like, first-hand accounts with any kind of ghost or demons like that. But I do remember my aunt, she was, she was dying with cancer, and my family sat with her in her last days and stuff and you know the medicine and the cancer eating at her her brain and stuff she started talking kind of crazy there toward the end but i mean it was like really crazy i mean 
military's on the roof. There's people out to get her, you know. But uh, the night that she passed away, she was, uh, you know, pretty much in her right mind. But when my mom come to see her, like, you know, my mama had told her she'd been saying that she'd been seeing uh, her dad. And her dad had been dead for, you know, 10, 15 years. And so in that situation, you just kind of go with, you know, their their delusions. You know, you don't want to upset them. So, but Mamma said that she kept talking to her dad and talking about him, saying she's seen him and stuff. And then later that night said she saw her brother Paul, and he had passed away many years before too. And uh, even at one point was uh, holding a, a phantom baby and talking to it and singing to it and we didn't know this at the time but my sister had just had a miscarriage and she came to see her that night and so she was asking her you know well whose baby you got you know and just kind of going along with her uh, mental state you know and my aunt just looked at her and was like well what kind of mother doesn't know her own baby and my sister got all freaked out you know and went outside and was crying and my mom and everybody thought, you know, she was just upset because she knew that, she, you know, she was close to death. But then Jody revealed to her that, you know, she just had a miscarriage and stuff, and and she didn't make the connections till, you know, after she had done passed. But they were talking, you know, it's like, was she, was she possibly holding my baby? And with all the other people she had seen that night that had already passed away, and she ended up, you know, dying that night. And I like how, you know, Stephen was saying, you know, maybe maybe God allows things like that for people that are close to death to comfort them, you know. You know, who knows. But uh, I had a demonic experience once in a dream, and uh, I've talked about it uh, on another podcast or two before, but uh, I was taking antidepressants a doctor gave me for lower back pain. And, uh, yeah. That's weird, huh? And telling me that, that it would help me and it wouldn't give me all the side effects of all the other drugs and stuff like that. And he just kept on me and on me. And it just kept giving me nightmares. And I kept going back and he kept just changing my brand and the dosage. And he just kept insisting that it would help me. But after, you know, several weeks and many different types and many different milligram prescriptions, the, they just got worse and worse. And then one night, uh, basically, I just had an encounter with the demon Lilith. And I'd never studied it, never looked into it, so I had no preconceived notions. But driving down the road one day, I just seen a big buzzard in the road and uh, honked the horn at it, and it turned around, and it was a, a naked woman in the front, but looked like a buzzard, full feathers and wings and everything from the back. and had bird feet and a, a woman's face with blonde hair and a beak for a mouth. And it... Uh, basically just come down ripped open my car door and just was fondling me and kissing on my neck and doing all this stuff and I was just frozen I couldn't move and she whispered in my ear that she had missed me so basically I woke up and flushed those meds down the toilet man I haven't had another encounter since thank god but that's terrifying yeah that's great yeah that's creepy I think in, in response to kind of the, your first one, you're talking about kind of your aunt and everything. I think about when we talk about when Abraham passed away, 
right? Genesis uh, 25, 7 and 8 says, these are the days of the years of Abraham's life, 175 years. Abraham breathed his last breath and died in a good old age, a man, an old man and full of years and was gathered to his people. And it makes me think that, you know, when we're at the edge, when we're at the end, that maybe we're able to see that. Maybe maybe that's the 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 welcoming party. You know, you're gathered, you know, and depending on the translation you read, it says he was gathered to his ancestors. So maybe that's the welcoming party that's letting you know. Um, and I, with my job and what I do, uh, working with um, the geriatric population, I've I've had more stories and more people seeing things, and it, it's 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 truly it's terrifying at the same time that you're hoping that it's it's something like you said, some kind of family member giving somebody peace. Um, unfortunately, in my case, when with my personal encounter um, of, of things that happened, and I have a lot of theories of why it happened the way it did. Um, now, I've talked before about how I definitely wasn't the best young child, but I had lived in my parents' house for a long time, and I, my parents are extremely strong Christians, F phenomenal people. I had the best you know, upbringing I could have ever asked for, even though I fought it all tooth and nail. But the first time I moved out of my house and I think I was out of that spiritual protection for lack of a better word, right? There I go. I said, right already. Anyway, right. <laughs> we moved into this house. It was me and three of my buddies and, um, it was an old house, uh, really kind of a cool setup. I mean, just, gigantic property and we we had a blast out there you know you had four wheelers all sorts of stuff out there is a ton of acreage just a really good time um but weird things started happening in the house and you know it's always those stories you hear oh just you know something happened something weird something was moved something was misplaced something was in a different spot and slowly things started happening and to the point where i started getting to the point where i didn't like being there alone Cause I always felt like someone was watching me or someone was looking at me and I've never, ever been a superstitious person. Um, never, ever thought of things of that nature, but it just was a feeling you get, um, where, where you have that, that someone's watching you or that you can't see like that's that Sylvan dread. Like you just can't, you don't know, you know, that, you know, there's something there, but you can't tell. And one day, you one can of my sense it, but you can't see it. Yes, but one day my buddy comes and he's like, "Yeah," he comes up to me, and all of us I think sensed it, but didn't really talk about it. And one day my buddy comes up to me, he goes, "Something the weird, weirdest thing just happened." He said, "I was in the shower, and the shower turned off and turned on and turned off and turned on." And I'm just saying the water pressure in his house wasn't obviously the best. It was an old, old farmhouse. And I'm like, ah, just some, you know, some air in the lines or something like this. He goes, no, I saw the handle turn off and turn on and turn off and turn on. It was rotating. And I'm like, well, I'm out. Yeah. So we just, you know, it's one of those things where you just, you, you do the best you can to rationalize something, but what is the rational explanation for that? So we, we all started having kind of just weird feelings, weird things happening. And then one night, 
um, an evening we had a few people come over and they were all out in our living room and I went down to the, oh, I should say this before that one night, um, we're in a house, four guys. It's like, you know, three in the morning, I'm going down to go to the bathroom. It's on the opposite end of the house, of the bath of the bedrooms. And I open the door and we go in and I go in, I don't say we, I go in. I was about to say. No, I, well, what apparently. Kind of, what kind of get together was this? Yeah, he's, he's just that scared. He needs someone to, <laughs> well, it's I like, knew. It's like girls going to the bathroom. He needs someone to escort them. Unfortunately, no one was with me. But I got, I went in the bathroom. And, you know, it's it's four college guys living in a house. No one thinks twice. I didn't. It's three in the morning. Everybody else is sleeping. I didn't think to close the door when I'm, when I'm just standing there peeing. And my gosh. The door slammed as hard as you could possibly imagine behind me, just slammed. And then I stopped, I turned, and I looked, and like, there's got to be a draft, there's got to be something, and I, every window's closed, everything, there's nothing. There's no reason why that should happen. So I'm just, you know, you try to rationalize something, I don't know, something weird, ha- it just, it didn't make sense, but you just try to rationalize things again. But the, the, the clincher, came when one night we had a few people over if that one wouldn't already it gets worse the clincher happened when Wait, one question is could you finish peeing uh i don't remember <laughs> did the wall get wet <laughs> there is a chance <laughs> but this last the last time that it happened because we moved out almost immediately immediately after but the last time it happened there was i don't know six or seven people that had come over and they were kind of in our living room and i went around to go to the bathroom and uh which was kind of off the kitchen and i went in there and i again was peeing apparently it's only when i'm peeing bad things happen but quite literally um one of my buddies try to scare me grabs my arm like you know and you're sitting there like ah it's funny and I turn around and the door's still closed and I look down and I can see the imprint of a hand on my arm and something grabbed me that you couldn't see something was there and had the ability to have some kind of physical contact which is, needless to say, a door slamming is one thing. But something that you can't see grabs you? Needless to say, we moved out pretty quick after that. And that was one of the sweetest deals I'd ever had as far as rent and everything else. And I think we lasted there six months. But I, I'll tell you, when you think, sit there and think about um, these things happen and I, and I'm not saying everybody's gotten experience to that level or to any of our levels, but I would say that everybody can think in their life to something that they either can't explain something that was weird or even being in a place where they felt something evil. They felt something that was, they knew if something wasn't right and they knew they had to leave. Now, was this the same bathroom? Like, the incident with the shower and then all you of you said it was all the same bathroom. There was this old if, farmhouse. If, there's only one bathroom. If, if somebody died in that bathroom, but that's, did you the ever thing. do any research on it? No, but that's the thing is, is if, if we go down that road, 
of of the the ghosts and unfinished business and things of that nature you know and personally i don't really believe that but at the same time could that i don't know it's a hard line to walk because something obviously was there and it fit all the stereotypes of any movie you've seen it was an extremely old house it's like 120 years old it was kind of in the middle of nowhere uh, every floorboard creaked when you walked in there. I mean, it it fit all the, it could have been a movie. You know what I mean? It's kind of how it felt. It could have been a movie. But I don't know, and I don't understand, and I think it's important that when we talk about some of this stuff, we're going to do our absolute best to hold this to Scripture and always revert back to there. And when it's not something scriptural, when it's an opinion, that we make sure we voice that because it's a, it's a hard line because there's really strict rules, you know, biblically about what we're supposed to do and not supposed to do. But I think we need to uh, back this up maybe and uh, maybe go into some prayer because I'm getting the chills all of a sudden. So, you know, Which we discussed, you know, pre-roll, you know, we wanted to share our personal experiences with our, we usually have banter to start off with. So we wanted to share some of our experiences before we went into the the word. So yeah, lead us off in prayer, Steve. Dear Lord, thank you for everything you've given us. Thank you for letting us be here, um, giving us this platform to be able to try to reach just one more person for you. Uh, Please, Lord, help us reach that one person. Help us continue to flourish um, by following through with with your desires, with, with what your will is. And Lord, please protect us, protect everybody that we're listening to away from these demonic things. Just continue to bless us and give us that hedge of protection. In your name we pray, Lord. Amen. Amen. Well. So I guess to start off, I guess like textbook uh, definition, I got my logo software and I got the... uh, Dictionary of Deities and Demons, which is a, a really great resource. If anybody uses Logos, highly recommended. But I looked up ghosts, and it led me to spirits of the dead. And it says that this is a term called Ob, and it's attested to 17 times in the Old Testament. And for the most part, followed by the term Yedi Oni, and that's referenced 11 times that all scholars agree that the term relates to necromancy and consulting of spirits of the dead. And its precise meaning and its etymology are still disputed to this day. But Ob translated in various ways, the Septuagint says, in gastrial mythos, one who speaks from the belly. The Latin Vulgate has magnus, which translates to magician. And uh, Luther, his uh, translation says soothsayer, but most most modern translations either say soothsayer or magician. But all goes back to dead ancestor worship. You know, they would venerate their dead ancestors and seek them for advice and for wisdom. You know, even the old Sumerian tablets talk about the Anunnaki that were imprisoned in the underworld. And basically they were mediators between the land of the living and the land of the dead. Uh, but interesting, I thought this was really cool. 
Job 32 and verse 19, it says in there in that uh, DDD, has the word Ob in it. But with the context of the passage, it's translated as wineskin. Many scholars assume this designates some sort of tubular device with uh, which necromancers could produce the voice of the spirit. Huh. A now, deer call? Like a Pringles can. But, a deer call. <laughs> but that makes me think about that verse that you brought up earlier when we said that, um, that you heard the Isaiah... Was it twenty nine four? Am I right? How it says the voice. Oh yeah, uh, Isaiah twenty nine four. Your voice shall come up from the ground like a voice of a ghost. So, we're seeing this even biblically that there's there's obviously some audible can you know something that 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 comes from that, and that's actually pretty interesting. That kind of that tie in. That's really interesting. But uh, before we go deep, and uh, what it said about demons was was pretty cool. I looked up demons, and it says the original word in Greek meant divinity from the time of Homer. Post-classical Latin borrowed the words in forms of daemon and daemonum. Commonly, the word designated to the class of lesser divinities arranged below the Olympian gods. The daemonies... You know, Hesiod described them as souls of those that lived during the Golden Age. You know, to the Greeks, they were ambiguous, neither good nor bad. But, you know, when I read that, I thought about, you know, well, Hesiod might be onto something, you know, about the whole Golden Age, because uh, that speaks to Deuteronomy 32, 17, where it said, you know, they sacrificed to demons, you know, to to gods that had recently came that their fathers had not known. So, you know, the book of Enoch, you know, says that the demons are the disembodied spirits of the Nephilim. So they were destroyed during the flood and their souls remained on earth to torment mankind. So, yeah, they had come recently and were from what the pagans called the, the golden age where... Genesis 6, sons of God walked amongst them. Kind of hedging off that, that I guess when it was talking about, and when I looked in that other Greek word that I pulled up from that, that meant ghost was also pneuma. I don't know if you saw that when you were looking through there. I'm, I'm not sure. And and Hebrew, uh, nefesh. And... Um, both meant uh, breath, life, spirit, or living principle. So um, referring to the ghost. And I think it's pretty interesting because going back into, you know, the antiquity, you know, giving up the ghost meant to die. When you gave up your ghost, that was death. Your ghost was your, that was your spirit. That was your soul. Um, I just, I, I think that it's just, it's interesting to see where that ties in. I think that demon part, that's something that I'd never heard before. I think that's fascinating to look in and see that of how that and where that came from, you know, at least the, the word itself, um, you know, and, and a lot of these things we look through and we see that we auto, we automatically associate certain words, you know, negatively or negatively when it wasn't initially a negative word, but we, 
we've taken it and traditionally turned it into something, which obviously, you know, the, the, the term, you know, demon from what we pull in our English obviously is not a positive thing, but we pulled it from a, a Greek term that necessarily didn't, didn't mean the same thing at the time. Yeah, and you got to consider the source too. I like how Derek Gilbert says, you know, where he compares the, uh, the Olympian gods to the fallen angels of Genesis six, because, you know, they came down and bred with human women and made, you know, demigods like Hercules and stuff like that, which is equivalent to the Nephilim giants. And uh, the episode that we just recently done with him where he said, you know, that was just the, the fake news version. Mm -hmm. So, of course, they're going to spin them in a more positive light. Oh, for sure. I think it's, that's why he's so awesome when he comes on and talks about a couple of those things. But you can look at that through a lot of those pantheons the same way. And it's something we don't need to go down that road right now. We've, we've been down that road a few times and Come I'm sure on, we will, do it again. we will, we will in the future <laughs> again, but, um, talking about ghosts, I think uh, it's important. You know, we, we got the definitions, but sticking with the ghost theme, first of all, I think it's important to go back biblically and see, first of all, that they understood what ghosts were, right? Ghosts were um, something that the the disciples, you know, and we see that through the Gospels, were quite familiar with. You know, when Jesus was walking on the water, they they thought he was a ghost. They did not think, you know, that this is Jesus because he's able to do. No, it's a ghost. When um, well, oh. see, I like how David Paxton on the show, you know, talked about how there was a a myth or a fable of that time that the dead sailors that had sunk to the bottom of the ocean at night would come out on the waters and walk on the waters. And when you seen it, it was an omen that, you know, death was coming. You're about to die. And that's kind of where they were coming from. Cause Peter and all them guys were fishermen. Mm -hmm. They were probably familiar with that, that story and that, that, that fable. Yeah. Yeah. But I think another, if we go a little further and, and I think it's, I'll read this little section from Acts uh, 12, 12 through 17. When he realized this, he went to the, and this we're talking about Peter. This is right after uh, James uh, actually was killed and Peter was in prison. The angel frees Peter from prison and he, and he's going back to meet up with uh, the other disciples so it says, when he realized this, he went to the house of Mary, the mother of John, whose other name was Mark, where many were gathered together and were praying. And when he knocked at the door of the gateway, a servant girl came named Rhoda, and she came to answer. Recognizing Peter's voice in her joy did not open the gate, but ran and reported that Peter was standing at the gate. They said to her, you are out of your mind. But she kept insisting so, so they kept saying it is, it is his angel, but Peter continued knocking and they opened and they saw him and were amazed, but motioning to them with his hand to be silent. He described to them how the Lord had brought him out of prison. And he said, tell these things to James and the, or to James and to the brothers. Then he departed and went to another place, but we have to look at the, the verbiage here when we're going through here. They're saying, they're saying it's his angel. They're saying it's his soul uh, or his, or his guardian angel is another way that it's been 
um, verbalized that his angel was coming them coming to them to tell them that that hey they you know, killed he's, him he, they, he's passed on so just another part where they're seeing something spiritual something outside the realm that that I think is just fascinating that kind of pulls us all in um, kind of pulls it closer together and one thing I'd like to point out too they had this thought process they knew of these spiritual entities because even when you go back to Deuteronomy, it says, you know, mediums, necromancers, these things were abominations to the Lord. You know, Leviticus chapter 20, verse 27, commanded them not to contact evil spirits. Mediums were to be stoned to death. So there was people doing this way back then, and God was, you know, commanding them not to, and even telling people if they catch them doing it, to stone them to death. So obviously this was something they're doing. If he's putting out laws and commandments against it, it's something they were obviously already doing. It's real. It's real. It's real. My name's Nick. I'm the owner of Kevlar Joe's and I'm the roaster. I'm an Air Force Security Forces veteran, a dad to three wild boys, and a husband to my wife, Crystal, and a coffee enthusiast. From a family in a small town in Missouri, we started with the simple idea of crafting a perfectly bold cup of coffee. Inspired by wellness and countless pots of stale coffee while deployed, we wanted to craft a bold, clean, and smooth coffee. So we did. And we realized we wanted to share this coffee with our friends. Lord knows we could all use a good cup of coffee right about now. From the farm to your coffee cup, there's nothing like a good, well-crafted, and bold cup of coffee. No matter what time of the day, it's there to pick you up motivate you and relax you we hope you enjoy our coffee be bold be humble be kevlar and you can find kevlar joe's coffee company anytime you want at www.kevlarjoe.com and for listeners of the dig bible podcast use the code all caps dig 20 whenever you're checking out to get a 20 percent off discount enjoy And that's the scary part, but that's where I think we talked about the earlier is that, that, um, that quote from that premier Christianity, when we're talking about the, the conjuring up of, of things and spirits of that nature, they have this, uh, where they said biblical prohibitions on initiating contact with the dead actually tell us this is possible for God does not deal in absurdities forbidding that which is impossible to perform. I think it's important to know that they understood ghosts. They, they, they saw these things and that was their first thought. They thought Jesus was a ghost when he appeared to them after the uh, crucifixion, you know, and then he appeared again because Thomas still didn't believe. But, and even after he rose, he still says, I'm hungry. Get me something to eat. Like it's, it's, he shows back up. And they thought he was a ghost even then. And I mean, with good reason. I mean, he, they had saw him die. But the fact of the matter is, they knew what ghosts were. They were familiar with that term. But, sorry, I am jumping around all over my notes. You're going to have to cut a bunch of this crap out, just so you know. Um, crap out. 
just trying to give them more work. I think oh, one other thing, and we talked, this is, a, I think, a really important one when we talk about um, apparitions or, or things that, you know, we talk about things that are maybe in that spiritual realm that are not demonic. And I, I love, and it, it fascinates me, and I'd love to see this because I believe that this is around us more than we think it is. But when we talk about Second Kings 6, 15 through 17, Right. This is talking about when um, Elisha's with his servant. Right. And his servants really all concerned and thinks that, you know, they're done for. Right. And says, when the servant of the man of God rose early in the morning, he went out and behold, an army with horses and chariots was all around the city. And the servant said, alas, my master, what shall we do? He said, do not be afraid. For those who are with us are more than those who are with them. Then Elisha prayed and said, O Lord, please open his eyes that he may see. So the Lord opened the eyes of the young man and he saw and beheld the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. So you're seeing that there are supernatural things all around us. There, there, there are angels. There are demons. You know, and the the ghosts are probably the probably the most debated part of this whole subject. But when you see this, that that there is a spiritual war, there's supernatural things that are happening around us. And I think a big part of that. Um, and when we get in further, when Justin was just talking about um, all the different times that God warned against those things and warned against the the necromancy and he warned against uh, speaking with the dead or and he warned against um mediums necromancers um you know he this is not one of those things i i, I have a feeling that when you look at uh, uh the bible and you see things over and over and over again there's a couple reasons that can happen first of all it could be just a really important point that god really wants to get through second of all it could be like you're doing it again you're doing it again stop knock it off you're doing it again and I think that that's when you see these times and all the times it says they fell away and they went and worshiped other gods and did these things that they're going back to consulting these mediums. They're going back to consulting, you know, going to, to the, the necromancers and the people who um, who, um, you know, uh, attempted to speak with the dead. Um, even Saul, you know, he outlawed this practice of this and then ended up going and uh, trying to summon uh, Samuel, but, uh, and I think it's pretty interesting because I think Justin's got a pretty interesting theory on this that I'm going to let him dive into. Well, just for those that may not be familiar with the story, let's go into that. So in that story, you know, God has went silent with Saul and he's you know seeking the counsel of the Lord, and he's just not responding. So he he's, he gets desperate, you know. In First Samuel twenty eight, starting in verse six, it says, "And when Saul inquired of the Lord, the Lord did not answer him, either by dreams, or by Urim, or by the prophets." Then Saul said to his servants, "Seek out for me a woman who is a medium, that I may go to her and inquire of her." And his servant said to him. Behold, there is a medium at Endor. 
So Saul disguised himself and put on other garments and went, he and two men with him. And they came to the woman by night and said, Divine for me by a spirit and bring up for me whomever I shall name to you. And the woman said to him, Surely you know what Saul has done, how he has cut off the mediums and the necromancers from the land. Why then are you laying a trap for my life to bring about my death? But Saul swore to her by the Lord, As the Lord lives, no punishment shall come upon you for this thing. Then the woman said, Whom shall I bring up for you? And he said, Bring up Samuel for me. When the woman saw Samuel, she cried out with a loud voice. And the woman said to Saul, Why have you deceived me? You are Saul. And the king said to her, Do not be afraid. What do you see? And the woman said to Saul, I see a God coming up out of the earth. And he said to her, What is his appearance? And she said, An old man is coming up, and he is wrapped in a robe. And Saul knew that it was Samuel. And he bowed with his face to the ground and paid homage. Then Samuel said to Saul, Why have you disturbed me in bringing me up? Saul answered, I am in great distress, for the Philistines are warring against me, and God has turned away from me and answers me no more, either by the prophets nor by dreams. Therefore I have summoned you to tell me what I shall do. And Samuel And Samuel said, Why then do you ask me, since the Lord has turned from you and become your enemy? The Lord has done to you as he spoke by me. For the Lord has torn the kingdom out of your hand and given it to your neighbor, David. Because you did not obey the voice of the Lord and did not carry out his fierce wrath against Amalek. Therefore, the Lord has done this thing to you this day. Moreover, the Lord will give Israel also with you into the hand of the Philistines, and tomorrow you and your sons shall be with me. The Lord will give the army of Israel also into the hand of the Philistines. Then Saul fell at once, full length on the ground, filled with fear because of the words of Samuel. To be honest, it would be terrifying to know that tomorrow is your last day. <laughs> That'd be terrifying. Yeah, and and when I read this, I always I thought of that movie Ghosts. You remember Whoopi Goldberg and uh, who was the the famous male actor? Ah, come There's on. There's like three. He played them. in Roadhouse and <laughs> no all those. Gibson. No. I <laughs> uh, Dirty uh, Dancing. Oh, Roadhouse. Patrick Swayze. Yeah, Patrick, Patrick Swayze. Yeah. You know where he died. You know and kind of haunted his ex-wife, but when. There's Whoopi Goldberg is this, you know, medium, but she's a big fake. You know, she's got all these little tricks and trap doors and does all this stuff to trick people. So he's sitting there and she's, you know, talking to a client or whatever. And all of a sudden he walks in just standing there and she sees him. And he's like, whoa, you see me? And starts talking to her. And she's like, you don't see this man? Get this man out of here. And then when she realizes it's an actual ghost, she screams and runs out freaking out. You know, because she was a fraud. She'd never really seen one before. You know, and when I saw, or when I read this, that, that was, you know, I mean, I ain't saying that's what it is, but that's the first thing that came to my mind. 
you know, she's used to just saying all these incantations and making up a bunch of lies. And then all of a sudden one shows up. She's like, oh, God, <laughs> freaking out, you know. And then, and then she figures out who it is. She knows who's in front of her. It's the king. And she knows a trap's been laid out on her life. And she's probably about to die. <laughs> yeah. But uh, one thing I was talking to Stephen about when we went to that spiritual warfare conference, because that's actually when we were first taking notes and studying on this subject and thinking about doing it. And I just kind of pitched an idea at him. I was like, man, you know, something just hit me. I was like, do you think that that was a divine counsel judgment? And he looked at me, you know, like confused, didn't know what I was talking about. And I said, well, like normal. Yeah. Give me that blank look, you know, but first Kings chapter 22 is the story of King Ahab and he's wanting to go to war and he aligns himself with this king and this king won't go to war with him unless the prophets and all the signs show that they'll be victorious. So he consults all the prophets, but they're not prophets of Yahweh. And all the prophets are saying, yes, all signs point to you'll be victorious, you know, and give him all this good news. And then this other king's like, well, have you talked to the prophet of Yahweh? What has he said? And he says, ah, oh, this prophet, he speaks but nothing of evil of me. You know, I will not consult him. And the king basically says, I will not go to war with you until you talk to the prophet of Yahweh. So they call him up. He comes up. And he says the same thing. Oh, you're going to be victorious. You're going to be king of all the land and all this stuff. And he just knew he was being facetious. So he threatens to kill him if he doesn't tell him the truth. So then he comes out and says, you know, I was called up to heaven to the d divine council. And I saw uh, Yahweh sitting on his throne and all of his hosts in front of him. And uh, Yahweh spoke from his throne and said, Ahab is to die. How will we carry this out? And basically it says that one spirit uh, suggested this. One spirit suggested that. And then finally one come forward and said, I will go forth and be uh, a lying tongue to his prophets and deceive him into battle. And Yahweh said, you know, go do your thing. So that's why all these prophets were seeing signs of the thumbs up giving him to go because God allowed a lying spirit to deceive them all and come forward. But he done that to accomplish his end goal to kill King Ahab. So I, basically I told Stephen, I said, what if this was another divine counsel judgment being done the same exact way? You know, the Lord had silenced himself and wasn't talking to Saul anymore. Done anointed David to be the king. So they decided that he was going to die in battle. So what else better way to destroy his spirits than to send his old prophet and friend to tell him, yeah, you're going to die, and you and your sons are going to be with me tomorrow. Just totally crush his spirit the day before battle to ensure that he was dead. Yeah. I mean, 100%. That I mean, it makes sense. I could see that happening. I, I see the, the logic behind it. I, I don't know. Like I said, it's hard because in the other one, it tells us exactly what happens. In this one, it just says Samuel comes up. So it's, it's either way, 
you know, it, I, I guess in the end, I, it's speculation. It's speculation. But in the end, I do, I actually believe, because I, I believe that people can physically, when we talk about ghosts and we talk about things of this nature, you know, all these different regulations and rules that God brought up, right? The, everything we see, especially in, um, in Deuteronomy and Leviticus, um, you, you see it warns against all these things and, and, you know, talking to the dead and, and seeking those things out. And why is that? Is that because we don't know who for sure we're talking to? Does that mean we can't call on, you know, the spirits of the dead? And I'm, I believe me, first of all, first and foremost, God warns against it. These are things that we are not to do. And when I say, you know, attempting to speak with the dead, that's Ouija boards. That's any tarot of these cards. tarot cards. Yes. Any of these things that you do that you're trying to, even these ghost hunters you see on TV, they have these little emf and recording things and they put this stuff down and they try to talk to these people they're doing the same thing that they were trying to do thousands of years ago but they're trying to use it in a, a more technological way that they're doing right now and these are all things that god warns against do not attempt to talk to them you don't and i truly per and this is once again this is my belief this is this is not a scripturally based thing this is my belief is that it's because you don't know what you're conjuring up when you do those things. You don't know who you're talking to. You might think you're talking to great aunt Matilda, but that's a demon, you know, the, the old, the old sheep and or uh, the old wolf in sheep's clothing, right? You, you don't know what you're calling up. These are powers that are beyond us, stronger than us that have been around for thousands of years longer than us that, that we can't contend with without God. And when God warns against something, there's a pretty good reason, especially when he warns against it time and time and time again. That being said, I still don't necessarily believe that every encounter someone has that you would call a, a ghost or whatever is necessarily a negative one. However, you don't or, or, seek it. I don't. But you're not seeking it. Exactly. You're not going out of your way. I think God can definitely use. And I think it was a. Uh, it was Michael Heiser, and I don't know, I don't remember the exact way that he said it, but it was in one of the last things I was listening to where he said a woman told him that her husband had passed away and, you know, she was really down one day and, and, and you know, she's crying, sitting there, and she said he appeared. He was there. He came over, you know, uh, gave her a kiss, gave her a hug, whatever, and then disappeared. It was gone. And I don't see the, I don't see how you could possibly turn that into a demonic encounter. Like I could see, you know, they always say that the devil can, you know, show himself as an angel of light. However, in this case, this guy comes, he comforts her. He's letting her know he's okay. He's with God. He's, he's in a better place. I don't, you can't tell me that God can't use someone to comfort someone. I think that that's quite possible. And to be honest, if you would have asked me that six months ago, I'd have probably told you somehow it was uh, a, a demon coming after you one way or another. And I, 
it's one of those things where some of that stuff's left up to our interpretation. But if you really look at those things and you, we think about a lot of the different, um, you know, ghostly encounters, and I, I've, I've heard people say, um, and even what, what, uh, what Justin was talking about at the very beginning, there's some consolation. You know, you see that, um, you see that, and actually a very similar scenario is when, you know, David has a baby who gets sick, right? King David has a baby who gets sick and he's in mourning, he's praying, he's praying. And then the, the baby dies and the servants don't want to tell him. And he overhears them talking and he says, the baby has died, hasn't he? And they're, they were, they were terrified to tell him, but they said, yeah, David goes back to his room, cleans himself up and goes, goes in, uh, goes in, uh, uh, back about his normal business and he starts eating and, and, and all his, his uh, servants come to him and say, how can you do this? And he goes, well, he goes, when he was still alive, there was hope that God could heal him. But now that he's passed on, he goes, he won't come to me. I'll go to him. Knowing that that baby's in heaven, knowing that that baby's there. So, there's some consolation in, in that case, like what you're talking about with, with your aunt and your sister, knowing that that's a gift, being given that, that comfort to know that you'll still see that baby. She'll be there. And it's just, I think that that's where the Bible is such a amazing tool is that it opens up so many doors for us and and it 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 lets us really really see through the veil without seeing through the veil if that makes sense you know it gives us a glimpse into that supernatural world and it gives us some answers it gives us comfort it lets us see things it it gives us you know hope but i digress once again i'm way off course i apologize i do that all the time if we're talking about you know necromancing and, and mediums and stuff like that one hidden gem that we had found from Derek Gilbert was from a, a mistranslation that I thought was really interesting this study I don't think would be complete without throwing that out there it's a little hidden gem but in Second Samuel 21 I think it's in verse uh, 15 where it talks about David's encounter with this giant and it, it says ish be being nob but derek said after looking some of uh, of the older texts and things like that he believes and he found it from another scholar but he believes it was a mistranslation and it said ishbi ben ove which meant you know son of the medium the owner of the ritual pit the owner of the ritual pit so i mean i thought that was uh pretty interesting because that's exactly what the Rephaim were. You know, when you hear about the, the giant clans, it keeps calling them Rephaim. You know, the Rephaim were the post or, yeah, post flood giants. And when you read into all the ancient texts and stuff like that, what the Rephaim were, they were basically like the equivalent to uh, what the Vikings called berserkers. They were the craziest, strongest, you know, you know, baddest of the bad warriors of that region. And their 
religious practices was dead ancestor worship. And they would uh, do all these necromancing rituals to summon the great warrior kings of, of the past to embody them. And they would do this, you know, and it, uh, they even found like Stella's and stuff like that at Mount Hermon. And in one of their rituals, they would uh, go up the mountain and they even found a pit up there that they would circle this thing counterclockwise and, and ascend up to the mountain, do their sacrifices and their ritual and call upon these dead ancestors. And it was said that they would ride for three days through the abyss to arrive to this, you know, portal, stargate, whatever, to come in uh, to the world and embody these people. And then once they were embodied, that's when they became gibberim, you know, the mighty ones. And, you know, and a lot of scholars, and I've heard Dr. Judd Burton talk about it and stuff too, that maybe... You know, possibly that's maybe what happened to, to Nimrod. That they were calling forth what they thought was their dead ancestor, warrior kings, but they were actually calling the spirits of the Nephilim giants. So, I mean, that's probably, you know, another reason. You know, I agree with what you were saying. He tells us not to do this because we don't know what we're contacting. Mm -hmm. But, yeah, you're, you're contacting demons and... uh the disembodied spirits of the Nephilim and stuff like that. And that's a, a, a big theory going around that that's a good possibility of how, you know, the, the Nephilim returned. So that's an excellent segue. That was really well done. First Enoch 15, eight through 10. And now the giants who are produced from the spirits and flesh shall be called evil spirits on the earth. And shall live on the earth. Evil spirits have come out of their bodies because they are born from men and from the holy watchers. Their beginning is of a primal origin. They shall be evil spirits on the earth and evil spirits they shall be called spirits of the evil ones. As for the spirits of heaven, in heaven, sh in heaven shall be their dwelling. But the spirits of earth which were born on earth, on earth shall be their dwelling. And the spirits of the giants afflict, oppress, destroy, and cause trouble on earth. So once again, pulling in Enoch, but we all know this isn't um, part of the canon. Uh, I do like referencing, referencing these, these um, extra biblical books at times, but I think it's really important because the, the, that whole second temple Jewish period, which is uh, a pretty big, you know, point when we talk about the divine world council and we talk about the views that kind of our show was founded on, you know, through Dr. Michael Heiser and, and things of that nature, the second temple Jews believed that demons were the fallen spirits or that, I mean, the spirits of the fallen uh, angels and the Nephilim, like, or the, I'm sorry, the Nephilim, the, the, the offspring of the fallen angels, they believed those were the evil spirits. And uh, if, if you haven't, and I know most people who listen to this probably have, if you haven't read The Unseen Realm, you have to read it. It's, it just, it sums, it really goes into depth into these things, and it's such a good read. Um, but when we talk about, 
demons and we kind of make this transition into that demonic world biblically we see demons you know pop up multiple times where you'll you'll but it's mostly glossed over where you see oh you know peter and paul went through this city and they cast out a lot of demons you know or, or jesus on this day you know he he went through this city and cast out demons the place where we see it probably the most pronounced and the most famous story but well i should say there's two pretty famous stories first the mary magdalene one which the chosen did a phenomenal job of portraying which was just i mean it's if you haven't seen that that's that's chilling i'll tell you but probably the most um interesting uh uh and and probably most well-known version of that um is in a couple books of the bible i think it's mark and luke but mark 5 1 through 20 it says they came to the other side of the sea to the country of Gernassenes. And Jesus had stepped out of the boat, immediately met him out, or immediately there met him out of the tombs, a man with an unclean spirit. He lived among the tombs, and no one could bind him anymore, not even with a chain, for he had been bound with shackles and chains, but he wrenched the chains apart, and he broke the shackles into pieces. No one had the strength to subdue him. First of all, kind of interesting, that demonic possession, you know, that kind of that super strength kind of seems kind of similar to maybe some of the maybe we talk about hercules we talk about some of these uh, uh nephilim of old night and day among the tombs on the mountains he was always crying out and cutting himself with stones and after he saw jesus from afar he ran and fell down before him and crying out with a loud voice he said what have you to do with me jesus son of the most high god i adjure you by God, do not torment me. For he was saying to him, Come out of this man, you unclean spirit. And Jesus asked him, What is your name? He replied, My name is Legion, for we are many. And he begged him earnestly not to send him out of the country. Now a great herd of pigs was feeding there on the hillside, and they begged him, saying, Send us into the pigs, let us enter them. So he gave them permission, and the unclean spirits came out and entered the pigs, and the herd, numbering about 2,000, rushed down the steep bank into the sea and drowned in the sea. I just, that's one of those verses, there's, there's a lot there when we really get into it, because it's the, we talk about, you know, they're, they're trying to plead for their, I, I say lives, but they want to stay here in this realm. But in the end, you know, they're saying, you know, don't send us to the abyss. And in the end, he puts them into pigs. And what does he do? He sends them right into the abyss. And that's, it's, it's such an amazing story. But when you look at Jesus, not only is Jesus here, we know Jesus is God and man at the same time, but Jesus is a man on earth at that time. And we are many, legion, that many demons, and they're terrified. We'll just look. I I look at it like this. It says about two thousand pigs. So, why would why would Jesus have pigs that were not tainted with the demons to run off into the over the cliff? So, at least I would assume, you know, that at least one was in each pig, and it could have been more than one. 
in each pick. So that tells you how many demons or would kind of give you an idea of how many demons was in this guy. That's pretty crazy. I just, I think that's a phenomenal play, but when you see demons through this, this, uh, kind of this spiritual realm and, and seeing it in the biblical sense, I think is fascinating. But if we look through kind of our pop culture nowadays, you know, we, you see movies like The Exorcist or you see, you know, different things of this. Well, ben hasn't watched The Exorcist. I haven't actually either, to be totally honest with you. That stuff, I don't think you ever need to invite those things into your life. Um, so I, I try to steer clear of them. However, when we see things like this and you see this stuff is brought into our pop culture and then you start seeing movies like like Insidious or like The Ring or all these things where there's some kind of demonic thing that's coming through and that's called entertainment now. Well, look at, what was it, the halftime show or whatever with the that one lady dressing up like a devil or whatever no it was uh that was you're talking about the grammys Grammys. the The guy at the grammys yeah whatever but still i mean you're right and nas x you know with all the pentagrams come out with that nike shoe that had blood in it and all the pentagrams and 666 on the side i mean it's it's almost like it's in plain sight nobody cares anymore Uh, it's been spoon-fed to us this has been through time this isn't just a overnight thing. I think some of us, and I, I think some of us would say that some of us are awake and some of us are not, or some of us are willing to see and some of us like to close our eyes to it. But um, I think it's important to look, you know, we see this biblically. We see demons throughout the Bible. We see the the uh, all the different warnings of certain things we're not supposed to do to conjure things up. Uh, and I think we've seen that some of our present day things, I think it was a Vicki Joy Anderson with her book always. And it was one of those things that really, I think a lot of the people that we've talked to have had certain things, but I think everybody has something that sticks with you. And the one thing that she said that stuck with me is, you know, we, as a Christian, we're not going to open the door to those things, but all it takes is leaving the window open a crack. We're letting something in. Say you're going and, and, and watching some of these movies or you partake in, oh, you know, I played around the Ouija board. It's just a stupid board game I bought at Walmart. You're, you're, you're cracking the window open, and that's all it needs. So we see that in, in present-day things, and I think, it's, I think it's important that we understand that this, you know, what we're reading, a lot of people like to think and read the Bible and say, oh, these stories, oh, they're great stories or good life lessons, and they don't think they pertain to us nowadays. Well, even the spiritual blindness is what gets me, is when you read the Bible, it talks about plainly all these different instances where Jesus and Peter, Paul, all these guys are casting out demons. And most of the time that it refers to them you know, as causing sickness and and illnesses and things like that. And he even says, you know, he commands you to do these things. You know, when he sends them out and they come back and they're all rejoicing, oh, even the demons are subject, you know, by your name to us. And, And that's when he makes that famous quote, you know, I saw Satan fall like lightning. So obviously 
He was teaching them and condoning and telling them to do these things. And today, you have so many Christians that call deliverance ministry a sham, a fake, a phony, and laugh and mock and make fun of these people and call them, you know, charlatans and, you know, snake oil sellers. You know, I had the privilege of uh, talking to Pastor Greg Locke. You know, he never even believed in, you know, talking in tongues or, or, or demon, you know, exorcism or any of these things. And the Lord shown him, you know, he, he converted. He changed his church plumb around and dove into deliverance ministry and has been casting out demons in Jesus' name and just recently, you know, done a movie. But when I shared that episode, you should have seen some of the, the people commenting, Christian, you know, quote-unquote Christians, you know, laughing, telling me, you know, that he should be ashamed of himself and, you know, he's a charlatan, that that's not real, that's all fake. And, and I tell them, you know, I had a conversation with one guy, and I was like, well, what about the parts of your Bible where Jesus casts out demons? And he's like, oh, well, Jesus can, but he, he, he's the only one. People can't do it. And I was like, well, what about Paul and Peter and all these, you know, men that done it? Oh, well, that's because Jesus was, was there with them, and he, he, they, he, you know, transferred some power to them or something like that. And just, you know I mean, just totally just... People just pick and choose what parts of the Bible they want to believe. And basically, like we talked about the Founding Fathers, if it's out of their realm of reason, it's not true. What did what was the difference when Peter, Paul, any of the apostles at that time, after Pentecost, what was the difference between them and us? Oh, they had the, the power of the Holy Spirit. What do we have? Oh, exactly. He's living inside us right now. We have that power. He said, you'll do greater things than I Yes. when the Spirit comes. And that's the thing is that I think partly when we talk about the Holy Spirit and we, we talk about that, that part of God that lives inside of us that, that does help us with some of that discernment, that does um, help with guidance, you know, and I think that, it's really, really important to understand that that when we read the book of Acts and we talk about all those things that they did, and it's part of our Bible study right now that we've been going over, we read all those things they did, that that's part of the Great Commission, right? That's it's the Great Commission is just not go like, Jesus died for you, that's it. That's not the Great Commission. The Great Commission is go out to all nations, and what did they do? Not only did they preach the gospel, but they cast out demons. They, they healed the sick. They did all these things. And my gosh, you know, God says even the, the um, faith the size of a mustard seed can move mountains. And it's, it's one of those things where it's hard to comprehend. It's hard to comprehend for me. I know that God gives us that ability. He gives us that allotment, but it's our faith that holds us back or lack thereof. But it's really important that we understand that that's it. That's really 
you know, there was people when we talk about X, there was um, was it Simon the magician was trying to buy the power. Right. You have um, what was the oh, I can't think of the verse offhand, but where. It says, Jesus, I know, and, and Paul, I'm acquainted with, but yeah. who, who are, are you? you? You know, <laughs> Left beaten, naked, and afraid. And, what, and honestly, I know this probably ain't very Christian of me, but what makes me mad, I mean, it does, it makes me mad that people like that guy I had that conversation with who are professing Christians are giving all the power to, to Satan and these demons, you know? Like we talked about, like one of our first episodes, you know, Paul Harvey said, you know, all them years ago, you know, if I were the devil, I'd do this, I'd do that. And he said the greatest trick Satan ever done was to let everybody think that he didn't exist, he wasn't real. So people like that are just ignoring the supernatural. And, uh, you know, they, you know, Jesus is real, you know, the... Uh, immaculate conception that was real you know jesus cast out demons now that's real and and jesus resurrected but ah, there's no such thing as demons and 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 even if you know even if they are even if you're believing half of your bible you're putting god in a box and saying well we're just stuck with them you can't do nothing with them it's sad it is very sad considering even if you go back you know, and we, we look at the biblical account, which obviously they see, um, you know, that people can say they saw demons, they saw people cast them out. But we go through history and we can see that they believed in these things as well. You know, there's writings from St. Augustine um, in his uh, his book on the Trinity. And, and that's, you know, 400 years after after Jesus and then you go even further Thomas Aquinas talking about it and that's uh, uh, 1225 uh, ish is when he was born um, so somewhere in that 13th century and he's writing in his uh, his book about uh, it was it was called the uh, Summa Theologica and he wrote about these things about about um, you know succubus and, and, and incubus these demons that, that afflict people, that come after people, that um, sometimes, you know, have these encounters and people are either too scared to talk about it or they think that people will call them, you know, outcasts or laugh at them. And that's something when we talked to Vicki Joy, especially, and, and she talked about the sleep paralysis, which when you read through some of the incubus and succubus stuff from, from history is exactly what she's talking about with the sleep paralysis stuff. It falls right in line and it is terrifying. This stuff's happening today and we are, are turning a blind eye to it. People are trying to push it under the rug. This is stuff. People are afflicted with this and they need our help. And I had this pulled up waiting for that segue, so I, you, you teed me up for a segue. But, you know, Vicki Joy was talking about, you know, sleep paralysis and how it was, you know, basically a, a weapon of the demonic realm. You know, we see that in Job chapter 4, verse 13, and this is the, the oldest, you know, manuscript in the Bible. You know, it says, Amid thoughts from visions of the night, when deep sleep falls on men, dread came upon me and trembling, which made all of my bones shake. A spirit glided past my face. The hair of my flesh stood up. It stood still, but I could not discern its appearance. You know, these demons were even, you know, 
coming after people in their sleep and tormenting them back then. You know, they, they didn't call it sleep paralysis, but it's the same thing. My wife deals with it often. That's just a, and I think that's something too. And, and a lot of the people that do listen to this, I know um, some people are learning, you know, kind of coming along the way. And, uh, and to be totally honest, I'm learning every day as well. And, and the day that you stop learning, then you're not trying. But there are some people that are pretty seasoned in this. And I think that it's really important that we, you know, we have to make people understand that this stuff happens. We have to let people understand that they're not alone, that there's things out there that are, are, are tormenting, you know, tormenting people. And, and they're too scared to come forward. They're too scared to talk about it. But, and actually, it was when we were at that conference. She sat right at our table and she sat next to us and she goes, you know, I've been dealing. And she was talking about sleep paralysis. She, Yes. Yes, because she felt she was in a safe place to talk about. I said, oh, you're going to love her for that exact reason. And, and it just it's one of those things where we have to be there for people that are going through things. We can't be the ones that condemn people. We can't be the ones that that that, you know, look at somebody funny because they they say this or that happened to them. You think about some of the stuff that happened. Don't be don't be Christian Karens. But think about the stuff that we said happened to us at the beginning of this show. Oh, dear God. Think about the things that we said happened to us at the beginning of this show. You know, Ben, you're talking about the, the impression you felt in that situation and it, that kind of almost a terror took over you that that was kind of beyond your control at that time. And then Justin having a a, a, a nightmare like that. And I've had a couple of other nightmares that I can tell you right now did not come from me. I can tell you that was something that was, was, and I told you that story, Ben, about that book that I picked up that I thought was uh, something about a book at Enoch and it was not, it was terrifying. It was, it was a, it was an offshoot of, it was the brotherhood of light or something from the, it was called the keys of the knowledge of the book of Enoch or something. And I thought it was something on the book of Enoch. So I picked it up and it was terrifying. And I had some of the most, I read one chapter and I burned the dang book. He put it outside in his shed until we burn it. Until He's we like, burn it. it ain't even, it ain't going to stay in my house. It ain't staying in the house. Mm-hmm. He said, you know, what they call demons today, they will call something else tomorrow. Exactly. Exactly. And that's something that we, I think, when we talk about, and that's where, I, as much as most of the time our shows, we all, we all come in, we don't really plan other than the topic. And it's actually kind of uh, been amazing to me how it meshes together when it, it probably shouldn't mesh as well as it does. And maybe it didn't. If you're listening to this, maybe it was terrible. But overall, I just amazing to me how it all kind of fits in. And we all bring a little bit of something that, you know, that means something to us to the table um, when we go in and talk about these things. But like I said, think about those things we talked about at the beginning of the show. I know people have gone through those things uh, or something similar. I know people have had experiences 
and sometimes they're too scared to talk about them or you know what it's it's okay you know if you're listening to this the way around that is jesus right the 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 salvation from that is jesus that doesn't mean that we won't be attacked again that doesn't mean that there isn't things around but that that what that does tell you is that's you'll be safe that you have a place in heaven with with God and that's what's the most important thing out of all this we talk about so many of these things and i think it's important always is that we love absolutely love digging into our Bibles, love digging into the history, love digging into all these extra resources and all these other things and and finding these little connections and all these other things. But in the end, those are non-salvation issues. You need to just make sure that you're right with Jesus, that you're right with God. Oh, Timothy Alberino, how he said it. He said it best. That hit me like a ton of bricks the way yeah. he said it. It he really said, did. You know, we, we asked him, uh, you know, we was talking about digging into the word and he said that he responded to somebody on Twitter and they were saying, how important is it for Christians to be digging into their Bible every day? And he basically just come out and said, it's important, but only if you know and comprehend the salvation and story of Christ and can properly defend it, then go digging because then it only leads to you know, confusion, you know, you don't build a, a big skyscraper without a good firm foundation. He said he, he's finding that a lot of people, you know, jump into the, the demons and the ghosts, the Nephilim giants, uh, just all these, you know, supernatural, supernatural fringe topics because they're cool. They're interesting. He said, and they are, he said, but for me, if you took away the Nephilim giants, if you took away ghosts, you took away demons, you took away all these fringe topics that are so interesting to people right now, he said, my Bible is perfect and I'm content with it. He said, because I had that firm foundation. He said, that's the problem with a lot of people falling out of alignment with God and his word because they're jumping straight to the meat and, and not getting the milk first in the story of salvation in Christ because that's what ultimately matters. 100%. It, it, that hit me really hard last week, and I think that's where, you know, we I've said it a bunch of times, and I, you know, that I don't think, you know, the church shies away from some of the, the more fringe things, some of the scarier things that I think are really important, but in the end, the church has given them the milk. It's given them what they need. It makes people, you know, they need the gospel. They need that firm foundation. And then you jump into this and then you start digging. And the, it, I mean, the information is limitless. It just goes and goes and goes. The rabbit trails that we go on all the time are, are just, and this is not even when we're sitting here talking and recording. It's just when we start talking, it's like, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, oh my gosh. It just keeps going. But, you know, we need that foundation. We need that firm foundation. Know your gospel inside and out. And always, I say it all the time, that First Peter 3.15, right? Always uh, be able to defend the hope that you have, but do so with gentleness and kindness. Something to that effect. That was a paraphrase, but to that effect. But that's, that's the truth. 
the hope that we have is in Jesus, the hope that we have and why we don't have to be scared of those demons, why we don't have to fear that is because we have Jesus. And that's ultimately what this comes down to in the end is, yes, there are demons. Yes, there are ghosts. And it can be hotly debated what all that stuff is. But, but there's one man that said, all authority has been given unto me. True story. True story. Well, thank you, everybody. Thank you guys, everybody, for listening. Please check out the uh, Facebook page, the digbiblepodcast.com. Uh, check us out on YouTube and uh, give us a subscribe and a like. And until next time, have a good one. Keep on digging. We thank you for listening to the Dig Bible Podcast. Questions, comments, or future episode ideas, we'd love to hear from you at the dig 423 at gmail.com. If you enjoy our content, don't forget to share, subscribe, and check out our Facebook group at the Dig Podcast. Remember, you can't lean on a shovel and pray for a hole. You gotta dig.